Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green, and I am Ken. I am the Beige, and your boys are back again for another edition of the Green Beige Podcast, where we're looking at what has been happening in the NFL, not just necessarily with the games, but what's been happening around the league. And we do have a lot to touch on this week. AJ, how are you doing, my brother? I'm all right, sir. Finally, finally, finally located a barber in, in the new city, so <laughs> I, I, I won't have to participate in No of November. Well, at this point, I'm starting to get a little on the grizzled side again, um, but we have some stuff happening a little later on in the month, so I I have to try to time my barber visits accordingly. I know how that goes. I know how that goes. Yeah. So, as always, we you know how we like to do, we go off the rip. And this week, off the rip starts off on a, well, not on a bit of, on a very, on a very sad note. Because for those of you who were paying attention on the 2nd of November, news broke in the middle of the day where Henry Ruggs III, the wide receiver from the Las Vegas Raiders, he has been arrested and he's been booked into the Clark County Detention Center this afternoon as per the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. And this as is because he has been charged with causing death by driving under the influence by DUI. Now, he was booked in absentia as he is still in the hospital. The Las Vegas PD, so far, they have not released the name of the victim, but they said that she was a 23-year-old female who was trapped in her car when Ruggs, who was traveling at a high rate of speed, collided with her car and it burst into flames. Ruggs also had his girlfriend in the car who sustained serious injuries. And if he is convicted on this DUI charge, he faces up to 20 years in prison. Now this is a tragic story and my thoughts on this do not even go towards the field. It has nothing to do with what the Las Vegas Raiders are going to do about Henry Ruggs. It is all to do with this young lady and her family and my heart goes out to them um, for those of you who know, I've been working in insurance in some capacity for over a decade. And the loss of life in any sort of car accident is tragic. And especially when it could be something as avoidable as someone driving under the influence, it is always heartbreaking. AJ, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I, just to echo your sentiment, my very first thought, and even up until you just mentioned it, I, I realized that I haven't even, hadn't even given that a thought as to um, that being like what the Raiders would do in this. Like my mind was so far from football when hearing this. Um, it is a very sad situation, as you said, um, for, for the young lady and her family um, to have to go through something like this. I, 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 I obviously, I can't say I empathize with Ruggs. I haven't been in that situation, but this is something that is going to change his life forever now. So he, this is, is something you have to live with. And I, 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 I know it's very easy to make mistakes when you're young, but sometimes it only takes one. And then, it, like I said, it changes your life forever. And this will definitely change his. So again, condolences to the entire family of the deceased. And um, yeah, lives are now being affected. For me, the part that, like I said, is most frustrating is that situations where someone is driving under the influence is something that is completely avoidable. avoidable yep. First off, you should not be drinking to that capacity if you're going to be driving. Secondly, if you are going to be driving, then, or you have to use your vehicle, then you bring someone along who can, you know, be the responsible individual and be the one behind the wheel. So you who have been drinking, you don't have to do it. We both come from societies where 
drinks are a norm. Yeah. People, especially on the weekend, men will be beating drinks constantly. <laughs> and you always are concerned when you know guys have been drinking and then they're looking to go drive. This is always the potential for something like that to happen. And in, it often happens where the individual who has been drinking is not the one who then suffers the greatest consequence. So let this be a wake-up call not just for Henry Ruggs and all of these mega-rich athletes who have absolutely no reason to be driving while drunk when you can call an Uber or as so many of these teams have car services already set up where you can just get someone to take you and bring you back. Let us be a wake-up call for everybody. If you're going to drive, leave the drinks alone. If you're going to drink, leave the keys at home. It is that simple. Great. All right. So now that we we have um, had a bit of a somber start to this week's episode, let's move into some more pleasant conversation. Let's talk about some of the stuff that has been happening just on Tuesday the 11th. Now, as all of you who have been with us for a while, you always know that we record these episodes on Tuesday evenings, and then you get to see it on Wednesday morning. This Tuesday was special because this Tuesday was the trade deadline in the NFL. Now, what is most important about the trade deadline I guess that you can consider versus the trade deadline in like the NBA is that there's usually not as much player movement in the NFL and you usually don't get these big blockbuster trades in the NFL as well. Usually there are useful players that are moved around or players who are being moved for salary considerations, but usually it's not often that we have big name players being moved on deadline day. However, this year has been a little bit different because Vaughn Miller, Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl 50, he has been traded from the Denver Broncos over to the Los Angeles Rams. Now, we know that the Rams really don't care anything about um, picks, draft picks, because they have given away basically all of their firsts when they were trying to get Jalen Ramsey. And now they've given away their second and third round picks in this upcoming draft for Vaughn Miller. So AJ, I'll give you first crack at this one. We we're looking at the impact of Vaughn Miller being traded from the Broncos to the Rams. What are your thoughts? Um, I was not wowed. I was not wowed by it. Well, let me let me rephrase that. I was wowed at, at the surprise factor of it because I didn't see it coming. So when I did see the notification pop up and I saw it, Vaughn Miller's been traded, I was like, oh, wow, for real? So the Rams, so the Rams, Rams really doing this thing. But after a few minutes, you know, when the dust settled, I, it, it, I realized that I, I still was feeling underwhelmed, underwhelmed about the move itself. Now, this is not to say that Vaughn Miller is a bad player at this point, but we know how injuries can affect players. And this is this was an, uh, an injury to his was Achilles or ankle or whatever it was, something that, that can affect his dynamism, right? Missed the entire season in 2020. He's already missed a couple of games this year. I, I, I just don't feel like Vaughn Miller is going to be the same. Uh, I, I, I feel like the, the Rams essentially are went out to get Vaughn Miller for what he was and not what he currently is. So in the end, I don't feel like, I don't think that this takes the Rams over the edge. I don't, I don't believe that this move suddenly makes them favorites any more than they were before. I'd still put them, if, if I had to, to, to be dealing with the odds, I, the odds are still the same, even with Vaughn Miller as it was before his arrival. Interesting. So when I looked at this trade of Vaughn Miller going over to the Rams, one of the things that was very interesting for me was that when you looked at the defensive rankings for edge, well, not just as rushers, but pass rushers in general, Vaughn Miller, I think he was ranked second in the rankings for pass rushers. And you know who was first? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Yeah. 
I know Aaron Donald is going to have Von Miller as his teammate. No, the other name on this defensive line is Leonard Floyd, who, having come over from the Bears, has also been doing very, very well for the Rams. Now, the Rams, the issue that they have had defensively has really been in their secondary. But you know what really helps the secondary? Having a good pass rush. I know they're going to have probably the best pass rush, barring injury, of course, but they're going to have the best pass rush in the NFL, having Von Miller on one side and Leonard Floyd on another, and then you can stick Aaron Donald wherever you want. No, if they ever decide to do what some defenses do and put five, basically put five men on the line with, so that you have one-on-ones across the board, then you have Von Miller one-on-one and you have Aaron Donald one-on-one. And one of them probably is going to get to the quarterback because the two of them are still able to beat one-on-ones. Right now, Aaron Donald gets double and triple teamed on almost every play, and he still gets pressures, he still gets hits. So while I do understand your concern where Vaughn himself is regarded because of the ankle injury that he had. It was a ligament injury he had in his ankle in training camp in 2020, which took him out, and then he had another ankle injury recently. But the expectation is that he's going to be healthy and ready to play come Sunday. So I see that this move has a lot of positive potential for the Rams. For Vaughn, it is great for him too because the Broncos have been struggling this season. I know he goes to a team that is definitely on the up as opposed to one that is just about middling. So I'm happy for him. I'll miss him from here in Mali, but I'm happy for him. I mean, in the grand scheme, yeah, I am happy that that a player who is so competitive will get the chance to actually compete at this level once again, because the Broncos are going absolutely nowhere. Um, but I don't know. I I feel like I need to be, and I need to see it to believe it at this point. I I. I'm, I'm not trying to minimalize the impact that Von Miller can have. I'm well aware of that. But at this point, I need to see it to believe it. Understood. Well, that was Von, But he was not the only one that was on the move. Of course, we know that there were other trades that were made leading up to today. Even Vaughn himself, I think that trade, it was announced yesterday on Monday. Um, but we got all of the details as the day went on. Now, some... You can raise your hand, AJ, when I get to a trade that you have a comment on, because a lot of these other names are people that I did not necessarily know myself. So the offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, Laurent Duvernier Tardif, who was a COVID opt-out. Now, what is remarkable about Mr. Duvernier Tardif is that he was one who left right after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl to go be a doctor. He went to go be a doctor to help out his people who were dealing with COVID. And then when the COVID situation, I guess, as we know, the COVID, COVID doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So he then decided that he, it was time for him to resume his career. He came back to the Chiefs this year, but he has not played very much so far. And he has now been traded from the Chiefs to the Jets for a tight end, Dan Brown. My query there is, why are the Chiefs trading for a tight end when they, they have Travis Kelsey? I don't remember their backup's name, but he has also been productive when he's been it's on the Pringle, field. right? Pringle is a backup? I think so. And no, they've traded for another tight end. Okay, no problem. So that was, that was one trade that came down the pipe today. Um, on trade deadline day. Edge rusher Charles Omenihu. He was traded from the Texans to the 49ers for a 2023 sixth round pick. Any thoughts, AJ? Nope. (laughs) I (laughs) I just thought I'd ask. But what was interesting for me, where this one is concerned, is that the Texans continue to stockpile picks. They're they're still um, doing that. Yes. Not too surprising at this point. Agreed. Now, edge rusher Melvin Ingram who had made his career when he was with the then San Diego, now Los Angeles Chargers, and then went over to the Steelers in this offseason. 
he was traded from the Chiefs, sorry, traded to the Chiefs from the Steelers for a 2022 sixth round pick. So far this season, Melvin Ingram, he has only managed nine tackles and one sack. And he spoke out about his lack of playing time after this past weekend, where he only played 26% of the defensive plays for the Steelers. Any thoughts, AJ? Yeah, this is the one that kind of shocked me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Um, I, don't, I, I had not really watched the Steelers enough to, to realize that Melvin... I almost said Gordon that Melvin Ingram was not playing that much. Uh, and then I saw the the comment that was posted in the chat from, from Mike Tomlin. Tomlin does not mince words at all. He, oh. he, he would say a lot without saying much. And that's exactly what he did by saying that. What, what was it that we... From a have I, have, I, than, I have the quote here. From a okay, team yeah. perspective also, it is better mm -hmm. to have volunteers as opposed to hostages. There we go. So that, that says everything you need to know right there. So after I read that, all I could do was laugh and I was like, okay, well, no, I understand. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah, I... Tomlin is one of my favorite people in the league. Gotta love him. He's not my head coach, but I would not mind if he was because he he Actually is agreed. Yeah, he is a keep it real all star. Mm -hmm. He will say what has to be said. No, um, someone else who was traded, I think this trade actually was done, no, this one was done, I think, on Thursday past. Kenny Young an inside linebacker from the LA Rams. He was traded to the Denver Broncos. Sorry, let me start again. Kenny Young and a 2024 seventh round pick was traded to the Broncos from the Rams for a sixth round pick in the same draft, in the 2024 draft. It makes very little sense except that you're trying to get rid of Kenny Young. Because yeah, that's, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. They're really just trying to get rid of Kenny Young. It had to be. I mean, you remember when we were talking about the, uh, the trade of, um, what's his name, Carson Wentz, when he was traded from the Eagles to the Colts. How they had to put a couple, you know, high picks in his back <laughs> pocket just to, get him, just to get him out of there. To, to get the course of bite on it, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this this was this is really interesting. And as I was when I was looking up this trade, they said that of all of the inside linebackers on the Rams, the one that was playing the most was Kenny Young. Kenny Young had played like three hundred and something snaps as mm -hmm. an inside linebacker, and then the next highest person was like one hundred and something. So. Why are you giving away the man that is manning your middle and doing all of the work on the inside? It makes no sense, but I guess that's why they get paid to make these decisions and we're not getting paid to talk about it. So that we, we, will just, we will see how this one plays out, but it is a great move for Denver because obviously if Kenny Young is still pretty young, I think he, this is his third or fourth year in the league and he has been, obviously he's been productive. That's why he's been on the field. So it's good for him. It's good for the Broncos. I mean, they've lost Von Miller, but at least they have a nice young piece to help shore up that defense. Sure. No, there was... Not just trades, but there are some other noteworthy moves that occurred this weekend or this week. I'm not sure if you saw it. I saw it late and I did not send it to you because I wanted an honest reaction here on the show. Remember we spoke about Jalen Smith a couple of weeks ago? Yes. Jalen Smith yes. has been cut by the Packers. My honest reality, I wish you could. I, I didn't hear about it at work. I was speaking to some of the guys who were speaking about it at work. And I, I was, again, I was surprised, but still not very surprised. Like, I don't know the story. So if you have more details on it, you can, you can share that. But I, I just, it was just mentioned that he was cut. And again, initial reaction was one of surprise. And then it was like, all right, you know what? This dude is done. <laughs> well, I, honestly, there's not a lot of details to be had. Jalen Smith, he played in the first week after being um, picked up by the Packers. But he was a healthy scratch this week. He, he got what in the NBA we would see as a DMPCD, 
did not play coach's decision. And now he's cut. What is going on? I, this I, there was, was Sorry, there were some suggestions that it, it, it has to do with, again, with addressing room issue and just him not being a very cohesive piece in the dressing room. I, I don't know how much truth there is to, to that, but it remains to be seen. But apparently that was part of the reason why the Cowboys had no problem moving on from him as well. Well, I mean, well, you're down there in, in Dallas, so of course you would have gotten the scoop. I I had no idea. I was just like, what? Already? I mean, this guy, he was cut from the Cowboys on the 5th of October, and now he's cut by the Packers on the 2nd of November. So... We'll see where he pops up next because chances are there will still be a market for him, but of course he's going to get a lot smaller. No, that the no, this is his second team, second contending team at that that has decided That's, to move yep. on from him within mm-hmm. basically a month. Now Deshaun Jackson, he was also let go. He was also cut by the Rams. We know the Rams were looking for a trade partner, but nobody is going to give them a guess what they're looking for to take Deshaun Jackson off their hands. So they decided, okay, well, we'll just cut you and let you go wherever you want to go. So do you have any thoughts about D-Jax being cut? I was still genuinely surprised when D-Jax went to the Rams because I don't feel like they needed him or were going to use him. I mean, I know Matthew Stafford likes to air the ball out, but I... I I'm all right. I'm not going to act like I saw Cooper Cup being this good again this year, right? But I knew that that Cooper Cup has the potential to be like the favorite favorite target of of um, Matt Stafford this season. Had the potential to be if he could stay on the field and stay fit. Now mm-hmm. Cooper Cup has not had any injury issues and he is absolutely balling, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 with the way he plays and the sort of separation he gets, Matthew Stafford doesn't need to be airing the ball down the field and potentially turning it over. Mm-hmm. But he could always get the ball to Cup, and then you have a, another multifaceted uh, um, receiver in Robert Woods. So they, what, what do they really need D-Jax for? So I'm, I really am not surprised that he got cut. I'd like to see where he ends up now, but I'm, I'm just, I'm not surprised that he got cut or that he wanted out. They have no use for him in that offense, honestly. Yeah, at this point in time in his career, you would expect that for most people his age, they would know people like possession receivers, but Deshaun Johnson can still school. He yeah. is still a deep threat, but he's on a, he's a deep threat on a team full of deep threats. You have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson. Three burners that can get deep down the field. And then can still work intermediate and can still do things with yards after the catch. So, mm-hmm. yeah, him going to the Rams, I thought it was just really just a chance of ring. But I he's not so satisfied so. with what he was getting there. So he wanted out. And they have decided, well, we'll just let you go and let you go find somewhere else to be. I thought so too. It, it it might have been a bit naive of, of Jax to think that he was going to be a, a like an integral part of that offense, given what the the receivers who have been there before have actually shown, and the fact that they've now upgraded and, and gotten a better QB. I I like you said, if he was going to chase a ring, he should understand that he'd be a big part. Who like who really thought that Deshaun Jackson would have been? I mean, none of us picked him up in fantasy, so that right. says a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Anyhow, um, I wish the guy all the best, though. I do. I, I, there has to be a market for Deshaun Jackson once he wants to play football still. Someone is going to pick him up, but I mm-hmm. wish him all the best. It is true. Speaking of wide receivers, and this one, I didn't make mention of it in the rundown, but it's just, I guess, worth noting because of the video that this guy's father put out today showing that his quarterback has just not been throwing him the ball. And that is what Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr., there were rumors upon rumors that he may have been moved from the Browns. There was a report that there were conversations being held between the Browns and the Saints. I was hoping privately, and I had not said it anywhere, but I was hoping privately that we would have done something at the deadline and gotten an OBJ. However, as I said in multiple forms, including when we were on this just in, I didn't believe that we were going to be able to give the Browns what they would have wanted to let us take OBJ off their hands. Plus, we don't have the cap to provide what, you know, the money that we can 
pay him going forward. Mm-hmm. So then we do needed the Bronx to chip in, similar to how the Broncos are chipping in with Von Miller, because I think the Bron- the Von Miller is still getting the majority, vast majority of his salary from right. the Broncos, even though he's been traded. So Odell Beckham is still a Brown. He may still be a Brown maybe to the end of the season. Like I don't see them just you know setting fire to the money. Like how the Rams just cut the Jacks, but Jacks, yeah. We'll see what happens then. But then lastly, the last name that I had here on my list is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. is still a Texan. After everything, after all of the posturing and all of the reports that the Dolphins were willing to, you know, push all their chips to the center of the table and get Deshaun, I'm sorry, get, get Deshaun Watson to come over as their quarterback, he's still a Texan. And, well, he's probably not going to play a single snap this season, but you know, pocket all of that salary. <laughs> oh dear! I, you know what? I'm not going to say anything else. You spoke an ad nauseum about Deshaun. I'm, I, all, all I will say is that clearly, clearly, the Texans are are holding out for something big. They really believe that this can probably all get solved. That his personal situation can get solved, and they will still be able to command a high sum. For Deshaun, that's all it could be. Yeah, something like that. But that was that. That was the um, trade deadline. That is what happened over the last what forty-eight hours mm-hmm. to get these players on the move. And now we move on to the blitz. So AJ, we we really gonna have to blitz these ones because you know we we try to squeeze everything in within the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Let's go with let's go with the bits. All right. So for you know, we always start with the biggest winner. So who is your biggest winner for week eight? So my biggest winner is my pats. And it, it kind of is a continuation of, of what we were speaking about when we were on this just in on Monday night. Um I think it's a it's it obviously is, is a is an upset win. And especially given the state of the AFC, which is what we were speaking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um being at four and four at this stage, honestly, is not where I thought we would be. I, I, I thought we would be a win better, may, maybe two, right? But at least a win better. That win, I, w- I would probably say, would be the, the week one Dolphins loss. But, but still, to, to be at 500, to be four and four right now, in, given the way the AFC looks, I don't think we're in the worst position. I, 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 if, if this could like spur us on, it, it could also kind of be a little moral victory because... I mentioned us for a moral victory, I think it was last week. But if this could actually spur us on to, to, to be a bit better, you know, and go on a little run, uh, we, we, maybe, we could, maybe we could do as I predicted and, you know, sneak into a wild card, you know, never know. <laughs> <laughs> Hope springs eternal in your breast. I can hear it. <laughs> I have to. No, I'm going to, uh, this will actually surprise you because I know you felt you have an idea of where I was going to go with my biggest winner. But I'm actually not going there. I actually had your Patriots as the biggest winner of this weekend. And yes, I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> Hassan is going to do things a little, a little different, right? So the, my notes where the Patriots were concerned are why I said that they were the biggest winners. They won the time of possession against a very good Chargers team. They won the turnover battle, which was just one fumble to two interceptions for Justin Herbert. They restricted Justin Herbert to 206 yards passing, and they won on the road. Now, I said that this was very impressive by Darth Sidious, a.k.a. Bill Belichick. No respect for my my head coach. That's all right. (laughs) No, Darth Sidious, but for for, for, for 18 years... It was the Sith Lord and his apprentice. The apprentice is no left, but the Sith Lord is still there. Darth Sidious, a.k.a. Bill Belichick. Well, you know I love me a good Star Wars reference. So. Of course. So, fun fact. Matt Jones has 192 completions in his first eight career games. Only Joe Burrow with 221 and Justin Herbert, 201 has had more among rookie quarterbacks in their first eight starts since 1950. 
So Matt Jones is he's off to a good start in his so, career. I mean, I feel like he's he's been managing games well enough. I just wish he had some better playmakers, but you know, we'll we I definitely will get into that on another day. Of course. So now on to the biggest losers. Who's your biggest loser this week? All right, let me be brief. I usually don't pick two teams from the same game, but it has to be the Chargers. Because I was saying that the Chargers should have a moral, uh, should have had a moral victory after their last loss because they were going into the bye week and you had the time to to go in and and you know what the bye week is supposed to do. You have you have time off it to refresh and look back at the mistakes you made and then come out and and like basically start anew, especially if you were going in with a loss. The fact that these men were at home, like I said, coming out of a bye week, they, they were in an ideal position to take a win from a team that they're supposed to be better than. And they just got showed up by my part. They really did. Uh, so, I, I, and you you listed all, all the, basically like the, the, the more on-field details as to how we were able to accomplish that win. So I'll, I'll leave that there. But it, it wasn't good enough from a team that uh, maybe they were they still hungover, but it just wasn't good <laughs> enough. I, I, and especially in the division that they're in, I think that was an inexcusable loss. No, it's interesting that you may mention of the Bayou thing because they did see another stat that when you said that I had to go look for it. So I'm pulling my stats from NFL.com. It's not like if I'm over here just doing like ridiculous research and just coming up with these things on my own. So on NFL.com and the insights, they said that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are 10 and 2 versus opponents coming off of a boy in the last 10 seasons, which is the best record in the NFL. So it doesn't seem like if having a bye week and then going to play the Patriots really puts you in any good position because having a week off to scheme up doesn't do you any good. Yeah, apparently not. Because I, 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 it was even more inexcusable for me because, like I said, the Chargers were at home. If, if we were at home, I would have understood a bit more, but we were going to them. I can't afford to be doing that. Fair enough. So my biggest loser for this week is the Cincinnati Bengals. We were here extolling their virtues last week. And then you go and get beat by the Jets. Yeah. So this defense, that manhandled Baltimore, they gave up 511 yards of offense to the Jets. You lose the time of possession to the Jets. And you were the number one seed in the AFC and you've lost that position because you lost to the Jets. You were up 17-14 at the half. 31-20 to late in the third quarter. And you literally threw it all away to the Jets of all teams, the Jets. And, and the Jets with a backup QB. Well, we, I, I have, oh, yeah, have something for him. Apologies. Apologies. Later apologies. on. Later apologies. on. Later <laughs> on. But yeah, that's why I have the Bengals as the biggest loser because after you have you've built up all of this goodwill, you've gotten to the top of the AFC and then you go and you lose to the Jets. No, come on. Come on, man. That's a a, a solid pick. All right, so on to the moral victory. Who is your moral victor for? I kind of really don't feel like I had many options this weekend, but I'll actually surprise you with this one, right? Sure. And and the logic that goes behind it. My my moral victory this weekend, for last weekend, sorry, it goes to the Texans. I'll tell you why. But yeah, 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 hear me out, hear me out. (laughs) Yeah, you will laugh. The Texans were down 38 to zip and it looked like it was going to be another road as, as we've been accustomed to seeing from them this season. They scored like zero points and I think three points on, on multiple occasions, right? Mm-hmm. They scored 22 unanswered points in the fourth <laughs> to make a game that was supposed to be a, a drubbing a road from the Rams, one of the better offenses in the league, looked like it, it, it was almost like a game that was tight and then, you know, just kind of got away from them because they lost to a better team. Like looking at the score and not knowing that they scored those 22 in one quarter, you would think that, oh, well, you know what? They actually gave the Rams a little run for their money and then the Rams pulled away in the end. Uh, 22 unanswered. I make the Rams go and, and, and ship out whatever picks they had remaining to bring in Vaughn Miller. <laughs> yeah, well done, Houston. Well done. I love it. I love it. 
No, I, 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 I'll tell you this now. So where the rounds are concerned, right? When I was looking through my fantasy teams, and I was, you know, we've talked to, especially on the fantasy spot, remind the fantasy spot comes on tomorrow, so you can look for that. And I'm also going to make this point in the fantasy spot as well. I picked up the Rams as a streaming defense because they were playing against the Houston Texans. <laughs> I went from having, I think it was 10 points because of what they were doing to the Texans initially. They think like minus one or, or three points or some mess like that. The Texans, the Texans did well. The Rams defense let me down like a sack of coconuts. I had I, I, I had the Rams defense in one league too, and the head coach. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in the fantasy spot. Yeah, so my moral victor, and here is where my Saints come in. I give my Saints the moral victor for this week because we were the underdogs going into this game. We were a home dog against the Buccaneers. I mean, my how the mighty have fallen because in the past, this would have never been the case. The Saints historically have always been favored, especially against the Buccaneers in our own building. But with all of everything that's been happening with our offense this season, our offense has not been very good. The Buccaneers have been literally laying it on people all throughout the season. It's no wonder then that we were home underdogs, but we found a way. Even after losing Jameis early in the second quarter. No, mm -hmm. my defense has been playing at a Super Bowl level. That is not to be denied, and that's not just me being the homer that I am. But we were able to harass Brady again. We forced three in three uh, turnovers from Brady again in this game, two picks and a fumble. We got some help with an, the interception that Trevor Simeon threw into the end zone that was called back for a penalty. Thank God. <laughs> and now the reason why I don't say that they are that they're the biggest winners this week and instead of a moral victory is because no, we have to do it all again with another backup quarterback. Jim must go down, but we'll spend more time talking about that in a second. And now over to the least inspiring win. Who who gets your least inspiring win this week? Isn't it obvious? It's the Chiefs. That in, in what was undoubtedly the most the boring, most boring, dullest, <laughs> the, the, the worst primetime game we've had for the season so far, out of all of them. It, the, the game was an absolute travesty to watch. I, 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 it, I could barely keep, keep my focus on it, right? Tell me why the Chiefs could be beating the G-Men at home by a single field goal. I ain't even talking too much about that. That is not good enough. You watch the game. I'm pretty sure most of the people watching this watch the game as well, if not all of them. That was disgraceful. Yeah, it was really poor. And as um, Ryan Clark said, our sports center after is like, that game, it was boring. <laughs> and everything on offense looks really, really difficult for the Chiefs at this point. It when is. everything looks so, you know, happy and free and easy for the last couple of years. But I don't know. Nobody actually... throwing up peace signs and backflipping into the end zone and giving piggyback rides and all sorts of foolishness. Mm -mm. No, those days are done. Yep. At least for this season. So my least inspiring win, actually, though, I gave it to the San Francisco 49ers because if you remember, during the game on Sunday, I said that the 49ers are pathetic. <laughs> That was the word I used. Pathetic. Mm -hmm. Now, these, the 49ers were able to pull out the victory against the Chicago Bears. But we know that the Bears aren't good. And in a future episode, we're going to be talking about some of these coaches that, you know, you know, we talked about coaches that may have been on the hot seat at the beginning of the season. Some of them right now, their bossy is on fire. The seat is no longer hot. It is in fuego. So, Chicago is one of those teams. And when I look through the stats of this game, because there, you know, there's no, there is no way I'm sitting down to watch the 49ers play against the Bears. 
They had it on Red Zone, so it did pop up a couple of times, but there's no way mm. I'm sending down to watch this game ever. But Debo Samuel, he is monopolizing all of the targets right now in San Francisco. And that's a problem. He had six receptions on 14 targets for 171 yards. The next highest receiver that had receptions, in, uh, sorry, in terms of yards, was Mohamed Sanu with three for 59 yards. The next highest in terms of receptions was Ayuk. He had four. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have some issues here in terms of distribution of their pass game. Elijah Mitchell, he had 18 carries for 137 yards. One touchdown. They don't in the old days when they had the three-headed monster in the backfield, that apparently seems to be gone now because Elijah Mitchell is taking all of the carries. Jimmy Garoppolo, he didn't have any passing touchdowns, but he had two rushing touchdowns. But my biggest issue where the, the San Francisco 49ers are concerned is that defense. Their defense gave up 103 yards rushing to Justin Fields and 72 to Khalil Herbert. So what works in the favor of the San Francisco 49ers right now is that Russell Wilson is hurt. And Matthew Stafford is not necessarily the most mobile of quarterbacks. He may scramble here and there, but he's not going to just run all over the park. But you see Kyler Murray in that division. If Justin Fields, who does not currently display the arm talent that um, Juan Kyler Murray has been showing so far in his career, can gash them for 103 yards, they have no chance in their division. Yeah. There's, right now, I cannot see a path for the San Francisco 49ers to make it into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, you just articulated everything. I don't see it. Two teams are getting out of that division mm -hmm. into the playoffs, and they're the two you would expect. Yep, correct. So now we move on from the Blitz, and we have an injury report. Similar to what we do in the fantasy spot, now we're going to talk about a couple of injuries. And the biggest name, the biggest one, the biggest guy probably in the NFL, Derek Henry. He has broken a bone on the outside of his foot. This is it's called a Jones fracture, otherwise known as the fifth metatarsal. Now, AJ, you know the first time I ever heard about a metatarsal was when David Beckham broke one. You remember when... Yeah. All those years yeah. ago, yeah. <laughs> like someone would break a bone in their foot. You just hear that they had a, a broken foot. And then all yeah. of a sudden, we hear about this metatarsal. Metatarsal, yeah. You're right. But the metatarsal, the, the one that um, Derek Henry broke, is on the outside of his foot. Is that bone that runs basically from the little toe to the ankle. Now, I did see um, a report, a kind of conversation by Dr. David Abassi, who is an orthopedic surgeon. He said that um, Derek Henry could be looking at six to eight weeks of recovery because of the nature of the injury. And I'll give you first crack at this. When you look now at the impact of Derek Henry being out for the Titans, what comes to mind for you? The, the, my very first reaction, and it is the reaction that I am maintaining throughout this entire, um, yeah, up until this point, rather, is that the team has lost their identity. Derrick Henry was the entire identity of the Titans. He allowed the Titans to be able to play the way they, they have been playing. Um, he allowed Tannehill to be great. Uh, he was the one carrying the offense because their wide receiving core has been very up and down. Well, th this season, that is, especially since adding Quintoris, a.k.a. Julio Jones, um, to the roster, and and I, you, you, he's irreplaceable. He's mm -hmm. irreplaceable. So even with the addition now of Adrian Peterson, at his age, he's not going to have the same speed. And I think I think you mentioned that when we were on this, just saying that Adrian Peterson is not like a direct replacement. Yes, he can run between the tackles, but he's not going to have the same top speed as Derrick Henry to be able to elude um, defensive backs. So after he breaks with that gap, that's probably it. I, I don't know, I, and I can't even. <laughs> And 
the fact that he last played in Detroit and after Detroit couldn't get a job. Like when you go to the, the Detroit Lions, you are trying to end your career. If you go to the <laughs> Detroit Lions, you're trying to end your career. So I don't have any faith that this is going to work out. I think Derrick Henry is a big miss. And um, one thing I, I, I also said when we discussed this previously is that I'm, I'm, I'm more intrigued at how Derrick Henry himself comes back from this injury and how it will affect his, his playing. How it will affect him as a player and, and, and um, basically the type of player that he is. I, I, the Titans are done for the season for me. There's no looking. I don't need to look at that anymore. They will win the division because the division is pathetic. But in terms of being a, a Super Bowl contender, no, it's not happening. And I need to see what Derrick Henry is going to look like going forward. So I, I share your sentiments, especially on the outlook of this season for the Titans, because... When I was looking at it, Derrick Henry has taken 43.5% of their offensive snaps. And for a running back, he's not a quarterback. For a running back to take that many snaps, 239 of their 549 snaps. That is ridiculous. That is incredible. And no, he is out. And no, it's going to place the onus on Ryan Tannehill to carry this offense. No, Tannehill has been excellent with the play-action game. A lot of that goes away with Derrick Henry not there. You're not going to be looking at eight and nine man boxes anymore unless Adrian Peterson somehow comes in and is it the Minnesota Vikings Adrian Peterson as opposed to the Adrian Peterson that we've seen everywhere else since then. So it's going to be important for them to do for them to do more. They're the Wide receiver room has not been very spectacular outside of AJ Brown. And when you look at Julio, Julio can't stay fit. He he has been just as fragile in Tennessee as he has been recently with Atlanta. So it's going to be it's going to be a difficult time for them in Tennessee going forward. And like right now, when we look at the rest of the running back room. The backup that was there for um, Derrick Henry, Jeremy McNichols. When Derrick Henry had 219 carries, McNichols had seven. So, so yeah, it's, oh it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough Very. for the good folks during Tennessee. And I think the hardest thing is knowing that your team can still is, is still going to win this division, but then... You're not going to, you're one and done in the playoffs. So, I mean, is it worth it? Is it worth it to, to get to the playoffs, to be one of the, no, it is 14? Yeah, 14. One yeah, of the 14 teams, best yeah. teams in the NFL. So now you're going to be drafting in the latter half of the draft. Is it worth it to, to get to the playoffs at this point? And then have a lower draft pick. Why, Ken? Are you suggesting that they tank? Never. I would never suggest that <laughs> a team tanks. Never, ever. But anyhow, enough of the Tennessee Titans. Really? Let's move on to my Saints again. No, I made mention of it just now. James Winston, he's done for the year. He has a torn ACL and an MCL sprain in his left knee, courtesy of a horse collar tackle. So, AJ, I'll give you first crack again. When we're looking at this, no, where Jameis is done for the year, the impact on the Saints, what, what comes to mind? Oh, I do need to add, and I, I don't know why I probably forgot to say this for Derrick Henry as well, but I wish these guys all the best in, in their recovery, right? Because it's not easy to have to come back from this. Not And, and I don't, obviously from this, from the, the physical standpoint, but also psychologically, right? Um, these kinds of injuries can take a toll on you. And especially in Jameis's case now with ACL and MCL damage to me, I, even, I, I couldn't even watch over the replay for me just to see how his leg twisted in such an, contorted in such an awkward position. I was having a little knee sympathy. It was hurting me. Um, what, one thing I did note before is that, I, like I said, I... I I won't be surprised if it doesn't happen, but I don't think it's the worst idea for you guys to give Cam a call. I don't think it's the worst idea. I just don't have that kind of faith in Travis Simeon. I'd still rather um, Cam, with all of his 
uh, idiosyncrasies and 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 um, basically uh, lack of whatever he possesses offensively, where Simeon may actually be better. But as an overall package, I prefer Cam at quarterback. I just have that little faith in Travis Simeon. But you know what? Maybe in time he has gotten better. He was able to wheel the team to a victory um, after Jameis went down. I, I, I still believe that your team can get out of the division. I don't know if you win it now with Trevor Simeon. But I don't know how far you go with Simeon as, as your backup since this team is basically built to win, well, at least defensively, to win right now. Fair enough. No, I believe that Simeon, Simeon is our clear starter at this point. My, as I mentioned when we were on this just in on Monday night, my whole thing we're bringing in another quarterback at this point is concerned is that we are basically halfway through the season. Eight weeks and then we're heading into week nine. And for a quarterback who has never been in my building to come in now and be expected to learn the playbook, learn the verbiage, and then be able to start anywhere between now and week 12, for example, mm-hmm. is going to be very, very difficult. Now, one of the things where we have been moving towards, especially offensively, over the last couple of seasons is the short passing game where you get the ball out quick and let the playmakers make something happen. Cam Newton has not shown the accuracy to be able to execute the short passing game at high level. Mm-hmm. Trevor Simeon, on the other hand, has had success in the NFL so far. And right now, in terms of the passes on our team, then he is the best that we have right now. Taysom Hill, yes, he was in the competition with Jameis for the um, lead quarterback position on our team. But Taysom Hill, when it comes to passing of the football, passing of the football is the least of his attributes. He's a fantastic athlete. He can catch. He can run. He's very physical. But even for someone as strong as he is, his arm even wasn't as big as James's. So I'd rather Taysom Hill come back and be Taysom Hill rather than try to be the starting quarterback for the Saints. Now, when we look now at the impact for James. On the other hand, I believe that this is going to have a greater impact on him than it is even going to have for the Saints because Jameis was on a one-year up to $12 million contract with the Saints this Mm. season. And this was supposed to be like a prove-it year for him. Next year, he's going to have to do it all again. He's going to need another prove-it year somewhere to show health, to show durability, and show accuracy. No. It is, poten- is possible that he could come back to the Saints if we aren't able to land anybody else mm-hmm. in free agency or via trade or what have you because of, I mean, we've heard rumors that the Saints, well, not rumors, we knew that the Saints were interested when there was the grumblings coming out of Seattle where Russell Wilson was concerned. I've seen some people say that Aaron Rodgers is a candidate to come over to the Saints to be required about next season. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but if any of those come in, then Jameis is definitely going to be out. He's going to have to go find somewhere else to give him a chance. And mm-hmm. I honestly don't know if he would get that opportunity, especially based on how he played this season, because he didn't exactly set the world alight before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're right there. I don't disagree with that either. Um Again, yeah, I, coming off of, of this kind of injury, he's going to have another prove-it year, as you said. At this point, we can't even guarantee that it would be in New Orleans. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely going to affect him more than it would the team. Yeah, I really, but I really do feel for the guy. See, man. I, mm-hmm. We've cried lots of jokes on Jameis in the past. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it came to that whole eating the W thing. Eating the dubs. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that we have to say, though, is that for the short time that he's been in New Orleans and the shorter time that he's been on a starter, he's made a, he's made a great impact on the guys around him. Mm-hmm. Like, 
he was in the medical tent getting his knee checked out and Alvin Kamara was in there with him seeing what was happening lots of the guys came over you know and gave him a pat on the shoulder a pat on the chest as he was being carted out Gemma seems to be a good dude even yeah. he may be a little bit misunderstood at times, but he seems to be a good dude. He generally seems to be, you know, and and it it one I feel like one of the things we always hear is that he he really does encapsulate like the the whatever is the the organ the, the what am I trying to say the basically what the team's um mo is in the dressing room. I'm at a loss for the word, but essentially, yeah, he's. He's he's one of the guys that can that you can take to in the dressing room. Um, I know he's he, he just is a positive influence essentially. So I, I I'm I'm pretty sure he will be missed by your Saints. And I mean, all things considered, I I, I really hope the guy is able to come back and prove something because I don't think he should be done in the NFL. But it's it's this is just going to make his career even harder. Yeah, for sure. So now. Before we, we wrap things up, I had some flowers to give out, AJ. I, I may mention the two guys on, on Instagram, for those of you who saw my Insta, the Instagram posts from the Green Bay account. I made mention of two of them, and I will save it one for this period. So I made mention of Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon mm -hmm. coming in in the second quarter of that game against the Buccaneers, and he was able to put a 16 or 29 um, attempts, 159 yards passing, one touchdown. He was able to get the Saints down the field to take the lead with a field goal and then give the defense an opportunity to see it. So, bravo, Mr. Simeon. Never expected you to see the field this season and you were able to come in and help us get the victory. Even greater kudos goes to Cooper Rush because Cooper Rush, he was a game-time decision. Now, this this... For me, these were the two. This was why I wanted to highlight these two guys, especially in that post. Simeon came in in the second quarter. Rush went to Minnesota, not knowing if he was going to play. Mm -hmm. But he, as a game time decision, when Doc, who was you know testing his leg out during warmups, and then is told, okay, but well, we're not going to play you. We're going to start Cooper Rush instead. Cooper Rush just goes out there and gives you 24 or 40 for 325 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. To beat who most people believe is a pretty competent Vikings team and take the Cowboys to 6-1. and one. Even have um, renowned Cowboy hitter Stephen A. Smith saying no, that the Cowboys are the team to beat in the mm -hmm. NFC. So we also have to then definitely give our flowers to Mr. Rush. However, on the top of the rung, on the top ladder, for the unexpected hero of the week is Mike White of the New York Jets. So Mike White, this is his first start in the NFL. He was on the Jets practice squad since 2019, I think I saw. And like he went 37 of 45 for 405 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. I mean, two interceptions and two interceptions. But so three touchdowns against what everybody believed was a very good Bengals defense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We knew going into this game, we knew for a week that Mike White was going to be the starter. So it was not as if to say that he turned up after practicing with second string all week and then no, he was thrust into this role. We knew going in that he was going to start. And he is now the second quarterback, along with Cam Newton, that are the only quarterbacks since at least 1950 with 400 passing yards in their first career start. The Jets scored four, 14 points in the first half versus Cincinnati. And the Jets, before this game, had 20 first half points in their previous six games combined. They had not scored, scored a first-quarter touchdown all season. And Mike White came in amid all of that right. So kudos to Mike White. Mm -hmm. He is the greatest of the unexpected heroes for this week. I actually had a, um, an honorable mention 
Sure, go ahead. And this may pleasantly surprise you, but it, I actually on my list, I so I had I put down Cooper Cooper Rush as well. That was that one was obvious. He had a, a huge game, but you know what? I actually like to Ken Mark Ingram. Yes. I like Mark Ingram if, in your sense. It, it was because even in that Texans backfield where he was, it was supposed to be a committee with David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. He was me, ideally the number one out of that trio. Mm-hmm. Like he was being given the most work, right? And if you look at his numbers, like he didn't have the best rushing game on his first game, uh, his, you know, um, second scenes debut or whatever you have you. But in terms of the passing game, it was his best. It was his best receiving game uh, in in yeah in for this season in 2021. It seems like the Texans were not able to utilize him in that regard, and and you all were able to do so. Mind you, he only had 25 yards, you know, receiving, and and 27 rushing. So, like I said, it wasn't his best statistical game, but obviously he's in a different. He came back to a, a situation where. He's, he's accustomed with um, being um, the number two to Kamara in that backfield. And I thought he played really admir- admirable. Like it, it was it, the, the fact that he was just able to come back and slot in so seamlessly, he was giving the Buccaneers some trouble. Like I said, he wasn't the, he wasn't the X factor in the game, but I actually liked what I saw. And I thought it was a really good move. I'll give you scenes that. I thought it was a really good move to bring him back because it took, so, it, it took some of the, the, the work and the stress off of Alvin Kamara. It really did. It really did, and 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 he and and Kamara and Ingram, they're a good, a good pair, a good tandem. So, I, I like what I saw from Ingram. He was ready to go again. Is it? You can clearly see that being a Texan for that period of time did not really diminish his skill set. So, <laughs> I said, kudos to him, and I, I had him as a very as an honorable mention in my unexpected heroes. Yeah, I, honestly, right? There are a few moves. There are a few moves that have happened this season that made me as happy as they bring about Mark Ingram. I was mm-hmm. so glad to see him come back. Mark Ingram, he is just a little bowling ball in the backfield that will push the pile mm-hmm. if given the opportunity. And the yep. fact that he and Alvin Kamara not just are a great tandem, but they're such good friends. Good friends, true, true. It, is, it, it really makes my heart glad. To see them reunited in my backfield. Again. I'll give it that one. I'll give it that one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, rain on your parade. I'll give it that one. I actually thought what I saw was impressive. I liked it. All right. So, AJ, just before we get out of here, you know, we like to look ahead mm-hmm. to the next week and see who is on tap and what games we're looking forward to for this coming week. Now, in week nine, the bye weeks are going to be for the Detroit Lions the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Seahawks, Seahawks, and the Washington football team. So when we're looking through the slate of games, AJ, for week nine, which are your tastiest matchups? Um, the very first one that stood out to me was the Browns and Bengals um, on Sunday in the afternoon window, the early window. Uh, basically, uh, another division rivalry, um, both teams coming off losses. Something is not looking right with the Browns, and obviously, and you made mention previously of, of the OBJ senior posting the video, you know. And I, I hate to see stuff like that personally, but that's another discussion, yeah. And then the Bengals coming off of that horrific loss to the Jets, so this is kind of like a redemption game for both. Speaking of the Jets, I, I actually, as time passed, I was actually growing more and more interested in this Thursday night game when the Jets take on the Colts. The Jets travel to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. In football, or well, soccer, this would be a relegation six-pointer. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Ken, I can't tell you that I even have... And we will get into our primetime pick later, but I honestly don't know if, I, if I'm, like, outright favoring the Colts at this point. I, I really don't know. So I, I, I'm very interested because I will have to give this some thought before um, giving my pick. Um... And then, yeah, there's my team, my game. Uh, once again, our team is in Carolina this time. The face of Panthers is the, you know, the, vi- the visiting, the old boy in, in Stefan Gilmore, a defensive player of the year at, at us just a couple of years back. Uh, I mean, it, I was going to have our game on TV or streaming, whatever the case is, on a laptop in any case. So 
just kind of interested to see what impact he has against Matt Jones after Mac is coming off of that type of week. Okay, no problem. But of course, I do have to give honorable mention. It was not in my list, but the Saints are, Saints are hosting the Falcons this week. Mm-hmm. And I expect that we should win this game, even with Trevor Simeon starting at quarterback. So that's all I'm going to say on that one. Um, but the ones that I, I had picked to in terms of my TSS matchups were first the Vikings going to the Ravens because the Vikings having just lost to a backup quarterback, they're going to want to trade a right the ship going up against mm-hmm. a very good Ravens team. Mm-hmm. While the Ravens um, secondary has been giving up some passing yards, their defense has actually been pretty stout. This is one time that the statistics don't tell the whole story. So I believe that the this game should be very good. Then I also had the Titans now not having Derrick Henry going up against Von Miller and the Rams. That is also going to be a very, very intriguing game to see how that one is going to go and to see if Ryan Tannehill can, you know, help to show why I have been so high on him recently. Well, not recently, especially in relation to other quarterbacks. So that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> I knew that was coming. And then finally, the Packers, the Green Bay Packers, who some believe are the number one team in the NFL, not just the NFC, going up against this, I don't even know what word to use here, but the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs that are completely out of sorts. So those are the games that I am paying closest attention to. So that brings us to the end of another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, you will find us here on YouTube every Wednesday at 11 Eastern, 9 on the Mountain Top, 8 on the Pacific Coast. And of course, you will also find us everywhere you can get your audio stream podcasts, except for Apple Podcasts. I'm still getting I'm still getting some trouble, but I think I'm making a little headway. So hopefully we'll be there soon. So AJ, any closing thought for the folks before we go? No, no, nothing in particular. We had a, a very long show, got a lot in. So just see everyone next week. Alrighty, so everyone, as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. We will see you next time.